When Eric asked me to teach, um, as I was doing some devotional reading in the morning, um, came across this section of scripture, and we'll be going through verse, we'll be studying through verse 5 to 23. Um, and uh, I usually like to find something that has a connection to what he's currently teaching through, and he's currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, you'll remember, is the account of the prophet Nehemiah being called by God to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. After spending 70 years in captivity, God has brought the people now, started to bring them back into their land. The temple's rebuilt, and yet the, the walls for defense were broken down, so that's Nehemiah's special calling to rebuild those walls. Here in 2 Kings, we're going to see why God's judgment came upon Israel in the first place why he allowed these walls to be broken down, the temple to be destroyed, and the people to be taken away captive. If you'll remember, after the death of Solomon, Israel became a divided nation, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And this is the account of the Assyrians coming in and taking captive the northern kingdom. Some 120 years later, the Babylonians would come for the same reasons and take Judah, the southern kingdom, captive as well. Here in 2 Kings is really, at 17, it's really the beginning of this judgment, the final blow of the Assyrians to take over the capital of the northern kingdom. Let's pray. God, God we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and and teach us, Lord, God, that we that would hear uh, the principles of of right, the principles of wrong, Lord, that we'd hear your heart, even though this is about judgment, Lord. We know that you love your people. We know that you loved your people, Israel, and you love your people, Israel, and the church right now. God, refine us. Lord, may we, may we glorify you in, in our time of study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So starting at verse 5, it says, Now the king of Assyria went throughout the land and went up to Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom at the time, and besieged it for three years. So this final blow to the nation of Israel and the northern kingdom took three years to take down Samaria. Verse 1 through 5 tells us that Hoshea, the king of Israel at the time, had planned a revolt. Up until this time, Assyria had control over Israel as long as they paid their tribute and as long as they were good and as long as they abided by uh, what Assyria said, kind of a vassal kingdom. But, but he had planned this revolt revolt with Egypt, and it was found out by the Assyrian king. And this is what prompted, by God's judgment as well, Assyrians to go ahead and remove them from their capital city and take them into captivity. Look at verse 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Assyria, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Halah, by the harbor, the river Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. They conquered them and dispersed them. This was something that the Assyrians were known for. 
Now, we have archaeological evidence of this very thing that happened. Shalmaneser was the king, and Sargam II had just taken over during this time. And it was Sargam II who actually took them into captivity, who actually destroyed the city and, and took them away captive. And we actually have the annals, some of the annals of Sargam II, or his history, literally written in stone, stone tablets. They're not totally complete, but here's, here's a segment of them during this time that talks about this time. It says, at the beginning of my royal rule, I, a few, letter, a few words missing, the town of Sumerians, I besieged, conquered, two lines are missing in the tablet, for the God who let me achieve my, this, my triumph, I led away as prisoners 27,290 inhabitants of it, and equipped from among them 50 chariots for my royal corps. The town I rebuilt better than was before and settled therein, people from countries I had conquered. I placed an officer of mine as governor over them and imposed a tribute as is customary for the Assyrian citizens. Archaeology in the Middle East, over and over again, year after year, proves your historical, biblical account. We, we actually have a handbook. It's called Halley's Bible Handbook, and I think we still have some of them back at our little kiosk. If you'd like to get one here, you can probably still get it off of Amazon. It's called Halley's Bible Handbook. And, and you'll note as you go through the Old Testament especially, there, he, he puts in little, little uh, notes where it says archaeolog archaeological note, and it will take you to some of the things that they found that indeed... Um, confirm your biblical uh, historical account, especially from the Old Testament. And when you're reading the Old Testament, it's a, it's a good little resource to have um, as you're reading through the Old Testament. So why would God let this people be judged and overtaken by a pagan nation? The rest of our text this morning really details that out. It details that out. Now, don't misunderstand God loves, and God has grace, and God wants to restore. That's what we're going through in Nehemiah, right? But there is a time when God has to make really hard decisions. Every parent of every teenager gets that, right? Verse 7 for, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord, their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And they had feared other gods and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and the, king, and the kings of Israel, which they had made. So two things here, they, they, they walked after these nations that God, God had removed those nations for this very sin. And then he says also the kings of Israel adopted this. We'll, we'll see more on that later. God's chosen people, people that he had brought from slavery into the promised land, specifically asked them, wipe the, these nations out. I am bringing judgment on them so that they don't infect you so that you are not tempted to do the same things that they were doing and have the same fate as them. Now, in Deuteronomy, 
long before this, Moses had written this command from the Lord and this warning about this very same thing. Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 30. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. You can jot it down. When the Lord, our, when the Lord your God cuts, cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess and you displace them and dwell in their land, Take heed to yourselves that you, do n- that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. Bad idea. God says, don't do that. Don't inquire about what they did. Don't think in your minds that you might want to do what they did. Don't tell yourself, hey, self, this sounds like a good idea. Don't do it, God said. When my kids were younger, and even even now, my, my son is 17, and not too long ago, I had this conversation with him, and over the years, it goes something like this. Hey, your, your friends are good. You have good friends. But one day... One of your friends is going to have a bad idea. And your friend's going to come to you with this really good, bad idea. And say, hey, let's do this bad idea. And so you have to prepare yourself right now for that day. Because that friend might be your best friend. The friend might even be you, right? Prepare yourself now, children, to do right, and you won't do wrong. God prepared them. He warned them through Moses that doing these things was a bad idea. Yet, yet, every one of the northern kingdom's kings did evil. Every one of them. And most of the southern kingdom kings walked and allowed the people to serve these other gods. Look at verse 9. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. Notice he says children. These These are adults he's talking about. We're the children of the Lord. And notice, secondly, it says secretly. You know how kids will think they're doing something secret, keeping it from their parents? But you pretty much know the whole time. And if you don't, you're probably going to find out sooner or later, right? God had told them what was right. Moses wrote it in the law. It's so important that we listen to God, that we learn from God that we take heed to what is right. We're all adults, right? We should know right from wrong, right? Right is not something God lets us make up for ourselves. Right is something God has defined by his actions, his word, and his Holy Spirit. 
Right is something God has defined by his actions, his word, and his Holy Spirit. Probably lots of other ways as well, but those are three that I'll point out and, and give you some scriptures. By his actions, 1 Peter 1 and 15. But as he who, who called you is holy, right, righteous, you also be holy in all your conduct. Be right in all your conduct because God himself is right always. That's what righteousness is, right? Righteousness is being right before God and before all men. He's defined right by his word, the Bible, Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of, of the heart. God knows when your thoughts are right or wrong. He knows when your intents are right or wrong. And he's defined it. In 2 Timothy 3 and 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it. And is profitable for doctrine so that you might understand God. For reproof that when you need to be rebuked, it, the Word of God will rebuke you. For correction, for when you need to be corrected, the Word of God will correct you. And listen to this, an instruction in righteousness it will teach you right and it will teach you rightness how to be right before God and right before all men God has defined right by his Holy Spirit Jesus speaking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John 16 and 13 said who whoever or, or uh, however when the Holy Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, all righteousness, all rightness. Everything that's true is right. So by his Holy Spirit, we can be led in doing what's right. If you're wondering today, is this right? Is this thing that I'm thinking about right? I'm not sure. Today, Satan and our world likes to confuse so many things. It likes, it, 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 it likes to make things so much more complicated than this. And if you'd like to make it more complicated than this as a Christian, you can, but then all you'll do is just worry and fret and try to figure it out, and then you'll get to that point where you have to do what? Ask God. See, search His Word for answers and search His Holy Spirit. Why we can't do that first is a little bit of a mystery, but, you know, we have this thing called flesh. We have this thing called the world that we live in. It can cloud that. It can make it a whole lot more difficult. You got a difficult marriage. You got a difficult situation at, at home. You got a difficult situation anywhere. You got a difficult situation in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and your own awareness of who, who the heck you are. Pray to God. Ask Him. Search His Word. Read the Bible. If you, need, if you need to, talk to someone who knows the Bible really well and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And I guarantee you'll figure it out. The Word of God pr actually promises that. We have all things we need for life and godliness through Him who loved us by glory and virtue and who saved us by glory and virtue, Jesus Christ. By knowing Jesus Christ, by knowing God, by knowing His Word, by listening to His Holy Spirit, you have everything you need. Everything you need, the Bible says. Right. Verse 9, also the children of Israel secretly 
did against the Lord their God, things that were not right, and they built for themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified city. High places were places of worship for the gods of the Amorites, the Hivites, the Canaanites, and all the other ites and the pagan nations. Even Solomon in all of his wisdom almost can be accredited for starting this thing because he did what what kings were not supposed to do. He multiplied wives to himself. He married pagan wives, and he ended up himself building altars and temples to these foreign gods. Look at verse 10. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. Notice that they set up this worship of other gods all around. And pagan worship was centered on Mother Earth, Mother Earth hence on every high hill and under every green tree. The worship of the cre- creature in creation rather than the creator God. The the Baal gods were gods of rain, the sun, the moon, the stars, the host of heaven, fertility, fire, animals, war, storms, weather, and they were believed to to have influence all over each of these for a successful life, um, for healthy children and lots of children, uh, for rain when you needed it for the crops and, and, and everything that God has done and created you see they were worshiping the created thing romans paul deals with this in in 1 22 through 25 he says professing to be wise they became fools changed the glory of an incorruptible god into the image made like corruptible corruptible man of and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged, who exchanged the truth of God, what is right, for a lie. Exchanged the truth of God, of God what is, which is right, for the lie, which is wrong. Which is wrong. Look at verse 11. There they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things, wrong things, really bad ideas, to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. They did wicked Wrong things. Idol worship resulted always in wicked actions before the Lord. Write this down, jot it down, take note, text it to yourself. Our actions reveal who or what we worship. Our actions reveal who or what we worship. If you're wondering if something is wicked or not or wrong or not, and you're wrestling, is this thing that I'm being pulled into or this thing that I'm doing, is it wrong? Is it wrong? Ask God, search His Word, listen to His Holy Spirit. You see, the same practices that lead us to right will lead us away from wrong. We go to the same place for truth. 
We go to the same place for wisdom. We go to the same place for what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes, unfortunately, we don't slow down life enough to really check that with God, right? But he wants us to. He wants us to. Now, once again, if you'd like to make it more complicated than that, you can. I wouldn't suggest it because that does lead to confusion, mistrust of, of can I really trust the Word of God? Can I really trust that He's going to speak to me through His Holy Spirit? Does God really have the corner on all wisdom? That's what the Bible says. But if we're stiff-necked and we think we can decide what is right or wrong better than God, we will find ourselves dull in hearing God's Word, unable to hear the Spirit, and, and indeed giving the possibility that we could be worshiping something other than God. When Jesus had John wrote the book of Revelation over and over again to his church seven times, he said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapters 2 and 3. If you haven't read it, you should go there this week. And Jesus Christ has a lot to say to his church. We should have open ears to the Lord because he will lead us in all righteousness and he will lead us out of what is false. Look at verse 13. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways, keep my commandments, what is right, and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. So even in their rebellion, God wanted to turn them back. God testified to them, hey, you're doing this. I'm sending you the prophets. They're telling you to not do it because I'd rather not take you out of your land. I'd rather not see you go into captivity. You see, that was his heart. Verse 14, nevertheless, and a lot of times when there's a nevertheless in the Bible, things after that weren't good. They would not hear but stiffen their necks like the necks of their fathers. And listen to this, who did not believe in the Lord their God. Their, their stubbornness got equated with unbelief. Equated it with unbelief. You see, belief is followed, belief in God is followed by right actions. Faith in God is followed by right actions. Trust in God is followed by right actions. Belief Faith and trust in God is always followed by right actions. Oh, he took, the, he took the first action. He died on the cross for our sins. That, gave us, that, that made us right before him. We could never pay that price. But then if we have faith in that and if we have trust in that, then it's always going to be followed by actions, right actions. If we're, a pers if we're someone who's just making things up, and, and, and basically ignoring what God has said in his Bible about truth. But we, but we even, I mean, you've heard, you've heard this. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I respect all other religions because there are many ways to understand God and many paths to God. We've all heard something like that. That is not a biblical concept. You will not find that in Scripture. You will not ever see God say that. 
And indeed, you will find that in Scripture, it records Jesus saying this in, in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people think that's exclusive. It's all inclusive, you see, because God put us all under sin, and then he died on the cross for all of us. Anybody can be saved. It's all inclusive. Right? Look at verse 15. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. They rejected God, right, worshiped the idols, wrong. Verse 16, so they left all the commandments of God, right? (laughs) All the the commandments of God are right and true. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to love them and embrace them and understand them. Made for themselves a molded image and two calves. Made a woman uh, a wooden image and worshiped all of the host of heaven, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that we see, the host of heaven, and served Baal. Now, Baal was the most prominent Canaanite god of fertility, Ashtoreth, his female counterpart. Worship of Baal and Ashtoreth would include burning incense, making images of them, temple worship that would include animal and human sacrifice, sacrificing of virginity and temple prostitution, and a lot, lot more with the whole lineup of the gods that these nations had. Look at verse 17. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practiced witchcraft, soothsaying, sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Sold themselves. They, it's, the Bible says that my people Israel gave themselves completely to do wrong, sold themselves. Passed through the fire is a reference to the God of Moloch. Now, again, God had, had warned them and had warned them about Moloch in, in the law and, and through Moses. Moses in 18 and 21 in Leviticus, Leviticus 18, 21, he says this, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord your God. Now, Molech was the god of the Ammonites. And the worship of Molech included sacrificing of your firstborn child. Altars to Molech were quite large, a man's body with outstretched arms and the head of a bull. And they would... uh, Sometimes they would have a place where you could start a fire underneath this altar and get it really, really hot. And then the child that was given was burned alive. 
perhaps in the outstretched arms or the fire itself. Worship of Moloch also included sacrificing and giving of a child as a, to be a, a temple prostitute. In Leviticus 20, this is, this is how serious it was to God and how much he had warned them. Moses deals with this again in Leviticus 20, 1 through 5, and he says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man. I will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary, to profane my holy name. And listen to this. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then my face will be against that man and his family. I told the children of Israel, don't hide your eyes from this. Don't hide your eyes from this. How easy it can be. 1 Kings 11 and 7. This is the account of Solomon and his bad idea. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. Now, if you're not familiar with the word abomination, it means a really, really, really bad idea. Something that's really, really wrong before the Lord. Jeremiah 32 and, and 35. This is, this is the prophet Jeremiah now speaking to the southern kingdom that had gone after these same gods. And they built the high places of Baal, which were in the valley of the son of Himon, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire of Molech, which I did not command them, nor, listen to this, listen to this, did it come into my mind that they would do such an abomination to cause Judah to sin? God's a little amazed that his kids would take place and, ha and, and have a place for this type of thing. Abortion, prostitution, illicit drug use, human trafficking, witchcraft. These are all modern day ways to worship self, to worship pleasure, to worship convenience. We're more sophisticated than calling it worshiping of gods. But in action, is it not the same exact thing? <laughs> same exact things in action. People want to refer to God as an angry God. The God of the Bible is an angry God. God's heart is broken. God died on the cross for this sin, to redeem this sin. And yeah, he got angry. Dads, dads, someone's trying to take your children into slavery or human trafficking. You're going to get a little mad. 
Moms, someone's going to take your little boy and, and, and try to get him hooked on meth. Or even, and this is a thing today, this is a thing today, we all know it, the human sacrifice of suicide. You're going to get a little upset. We have those emotions. God has those emotions about his kids. Right? Yes, God gets angry at these. And I hope, I hope that we will enter into God's emotion of being grieved, of being heartbroken, of wanting himself to die for this. You know, when you, when you see your kids, oh, I, I don't want to see them go through that pain. I'd rather go through it for them. But we should still get a little upset and pray for our cities and our counties and our nation. Because here in conservative El Paso County, you can practice witchcraft, visit a psychic, find human trafficking and prostitution, buy all kinds of illegal, any kind of illegal drug, have an abortion for the sake of convenience. That's right here. Verse 18. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Also, Ju Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the land of plunderers till he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel out of the house of David. This is when they became a divided nation. And made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. That was Solomon's son. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord. Our, our leaders make a difference. And made them commit great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they did not depart from them. Verse 23, until, until, the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As they had, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria as it is to this day. This is evidence that Second Kings was written before the captivity was over. Notice it says, until God did this. Sometimes God has to break down our walls. And yes, God doesn't like it when we do these things. He certainly doesn't like it when he sees this nation that he birthed go away from these things. And yet, what are we as Christians to do? Well, number one, we keep ourselves from this, right? We should press into knowing what's right and to what's wrong and to walk in it and keep our hearts soft toward our city and our state and our nation. Otherwise, we will get angry ourselves in an unrighteous way. We'll get cynical and we'll just kind of get used to it. And forget that here in El Paso County, yeah, all that's going on next week. 
but we can pray and we can press in and we can expect God to use us in someone's life to pull them out of the fire. That was, that was the hope of Paul. That was the hope of Jeremiah. That was the hope of Isaiah. That as I bring God's word, it's going to have an influence on some people and God always has his remnant. God always has uh, those who even though they may have, Daniel went into captivity and yet he kept himself unsoiled from the world. Worship Jesus with every action. Worship Jesus with every thought. Worship Jesus with every word and every voice. Let's pray. God, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, when your word is, is tough to hear and to take in, I pray that each and every person here, God, would be able to receive it from you. A word that might be hard to hear and hard to understand. Lord, help, help us to know how much you love your people. Lord, help us to understand better the gospel. That, Lord, you wanted to pay this price for your, for your creation, for your children, and you did. God, we thank you. God, as we move into a season of celebrating your life, your death, and your resurrection. Lord, help us to see it anew this year. Help us, help us to see it, Lord, for, for every person that we come across. Lord, help us to see it again for ourselves, the depth of love to die for such things and to take our place. God, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.